Love this podcast? Support this show through the supporter feature from Acast. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince, they exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hey, my name's Adam from Toronto, Ontario. And I subscribe to the Creative Control Patreon because I feel that uh, at the end of the day, uh, there are very few people in the industry who are able to consistently get the kind of quality interviews out of very diverse subjects of many creative stripes and disciplines, as Vish does pretty well on every episode of the podcast. It's a no-brainer to me that I want to support this when you factor that in to uh, all of the bonus content you get on Patreon and you know, it's a listener-supported podcast, so uh, I want to keep the uh, great content coming. So that's why you should also support Creative Control on Patreon. To make your flexible monthly donation to Creative Control, please visit patreon.com slash Control today. Owen Pallett is a multi-talented musician and songwriter who has long been an integral part of Toronto's arts community. A composer of the highest order, Pallett won the inaugural Polaris Music Prize for his album Heap Whose Clouds, has written string arrangements for works that have earned him Grammy and Oscar nominations, and a short list of his collaborators and clients includes Frank Ocean, Arcade Fire, The Mountain Goats, Pet Shop Boys, Beirut, Fucked Up, R.E.M., Duran Duran, Picastro, Grizzly Bear, Gentleman Reg, and Jim Guthrie, among many, many others. His latest album is called Island, and it's a masterful addition to his Spectrum series, featuring a recurring character named Lewis, who is something of an avatar for Palette himself. Island is available worldwide via Domino Records and in Canada on Secret City, and so Owen and I had a chat about this album on the day that civil unrest against brutalizing police forces in America really began in earnest in response to a Minneapolis police officer named Derek Chauvin murdering a black man named George Floyd in broad daylight. After addressing our personal feelings about this horrific incident and the police violence it spawned, Owen and I went on to discuss the origins and making of Island, 
why staying in touch with our exes might actually be okay, leaving external perceptions behind, future plans, and more. A part of the Entertainment One Network with the support of listeners like you who follow and subscribe to this podcast and spread the word about it and make flexible monthly donations at patreon.com slash Control and Massey Hall's concert film series live at MasseyHall.com where you can stream dozens of 30-minute films for free, including performances by past and even super current podcast guests like Owen Pallett, plus in-kind support from Pizza Trocadero, The Bookshelf, and Planet Bean Coffee in Guelph, and Granddad's Donuts in Hamilton. This is the 545th episode of Creative Control, featuring the brilliant Owen Pallett with your host, me, Vishkana. How's it going? I'm quite well. Hi, Vish. How are things? Things are okay there in Toronto with the pandemic and everything? Are you, are you hanging in there? Pandemic's okay, but I actually kind of had a solipsistic few days where I wasn't really paying attention to the news. And uh, yeah, I just read the news today about what was going on in Minneapolis and had a pretty rough morning about it. It is awful. What in particular has caused you to feel distraught? I only ask uh, particularly because... Uh, if you do pay attention to the news, we are so inundated with bad news and bad news of this sort that there's a danger of becoming a little numb. But you were clearly uh, shaken by something specifically to do with this situation. What was it? Well, I just watched the the video of of the murder of that black man in Minneapolis, and it really uh, messed me up. I mean, I don't actually actively seek that stuff out, but people were talking about it in a group chat and I thought, oh, it's like, oh, you know, it's okay. I'll, I'll watch this. I want to see what the big deal is. And it actually shook me and I was in shock for hours afterwards and um, was reading about it and, uh, and and did feel, you know, surprising new feelings like um, like I was feeling uh, violent rage. And, um, and I was reading about it online and that this was actually a reaction that school children had when um, they saw a video of Rodney King was violent rage. They broke the television after seeing it. Like, I mean, it's it's kind of a it, it, this is not just bad news. This is something something very, very, very different, very awful. I, I would agree with you. Um, is there something have you had similar reactions to other such videos or do you normally avoid watching them? Because I did not watch this one. I can't. There's too much for me. I don't want to turn a blind eye to this, but there's just so much bad news uh, and horrible, horrific news and abuses of power that I have to sort of step back every once in a while. And uh, yeah, so do you normally try to, in in trying to stay informed, we try to watch things like this, I think. Uh, Is that? No, I I don't. I actually avoid this kind of thing. And, um, and I think the the real pain I was feeling today was just that I I felt an urge to comfort um, certain of my black friends, and um, I didn't even know what to say to them. I didn't know 
how to approach them or what to, words to offer. I just felt completely speechless. And so it's been a bit of a struggle uh, today, just trying to trying to m- make sense of it and trying to figure out what, what to do, because I don't even feel like I, I can bring myself to say anything to anyone. The, the people you did speak with about this, what did they say back to you? I didn't end up speaking with anyone. Oh, yeah. Okay. There was some, a, a comment on Twitter about this situation. There's been a few interesting comments um, uh, about this, and among them were by at least one African American woman suggested, you know, you don't have to spread this video uh, everywhere because when a white person dies, you don't do that. You only seem to do it when black people die, uh, horrific deaths, which is just further traumatizing us. Um, mm-hmm. What do you make of that? Like, I'm trying to balance this emotional, visceral reaction you're experiencing and where a lot of us experience with news and information and not turning a blind eye to injustice. It's a slippery slope. It's a difficult balancing act. What do you make of a comment like that one? I mean, I, I couldn't possibly imagine what it must be like to have a video like that circulating and, and be in a black body. I can't imagine how horrible that must be. And um, yeah, I, I, I don't, uh, it's not up to me to state like whether these videos should be spread around or, or not. You know what I mean? I remember, you know, the justification that Emmett Till's mother had uh, for uh, publishing photos of his, um, of his face, you know? And how important it was at that time. At this point, it's just like it just feels, like you said, re-traumatizing. Like the problem yeah. is the problem is not just the the violence itself, but it's not an official term, but uh, it's widely used as the CPTSD that you know uh, people just suffer from. Um, black people just su- must suffer from, or may suffer from, as a result of the dissemination of these images. And yeah, it's it's it. Uh, I just I feel so incredibly helpless and so yeah so much love and 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 desire to just to comfort people but not even a, a simp, not even a, an inkling of, aside from just sending money um I have no idea you know what even to say I, I don't even know what to say to you about it right now it's so, no, and I, I so appreci- shocking yeah no I appreciate you broaching it um you do live in Toronto it is an epicenter of black violence in Canada. Um, uh, is it difficult living there under these conditions in this circumstance? Difficult for me, no. Um, you know, it's obviously not. Like I'm not. My my body is not not um, under threat. Um, it, you know, it's it is. I I have a. I have friends that I'm concerned about, friends that I worry about, um, and not just like the safety of their bodies, but the effects of being in this environment. And again, this feeling of helplessness, like I, I wish, I wish I, I, I knew how better to um, support, the, support them and to help. Yeah. 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 I think we all do. And, and, and it gets difficult to not offer simple platitudes. Like, there's not a lot <sighs> Yeah, I'm not sure what to say or do except to offer support um, in forums like this one and to talk about these things. Like I, like I say, we have to, we can't let these things go, uh, uh, you know, on, on, and not, we, we need to keep people accountable and, and institutions accountable. But it's, 
it's just every week there is something like this and I'm it's difficult. I appreciate that you've had an emotional response to it. It seems to me that that suggests you are engaged with these issues uh, and you're not turning a blind eye to it. So that says something about you, doesn't it? I don't, I'm not taking this moment to uh, to um, derive any sort of sense of self-satisfaction. Right, um, of course. Right. From my emotional response. Right. Okay. Fair enough. Fair enough. Well... On that note, thank you for making time during this difficult circumstance for you uh, to speak with me about uh, your your music. Um, and if I can segue out of this to say congratulations on Island, I'm going to do that. Owen, congratulations on Island. Thank you so much. I, uh, I don't really know what to say um, without sounding like a blowhard about it, but um, it's uh, I'm, I'm just so pleased with it as a artistic statement. It's a very very rare thing for me to feel uh satisfied um with a product like this and um you know i had <laughs> more often than not when i put out a record i'm like ah oh, there's all this stuff i wish i'd done differently you know but not with this one i really really am so so happy with it now you it has been six years since your last proper album correct in conflict yeah, that's correct. Uh, my last one, it's been almost exactly six years. Uh, it came out May 14th, 2014, was in Conflict's release. Wow. That's just a coincidence. There's not... Oh, yeah. I mean, you, you and I talked about briefly about this new album when you were on the uh, Long Night talk show of mine uh, in... Um, when was that? Uh, November, I guess, or something like that. November. Yeah, it must have been November. I, I don't remember. But <laughs> And you were saying, like, you had this record done a while, right? Yeah, um, it's been done for um, two years. Two years, okay. So really, over two years now, it's been done. Yeah. Right, and I, I think we broached this before. The reason it didn't come out uh, before now is mostly label kind of stuff, or was there other stuff going on that delayed the release? Um, it was a combination of um, mental health stuff that I was dealing with, um, and right. also some label stuff as well. Okay. Um, yeah, it would it would just be like uh, I wouldn't be able I wouldn't be ready, or then the label wouldn't be ready, and it just it got pushed back. Uh, I think uh, twice, um, maybe three times. I can't okay. remember. Okay, well, yeah. where I was going with this is you say you are, you know, for you, more or less completely satisfied with an album, which is rare. And where I was going with this is, well, you took it seems at least publicly like you may have taken more time than you usually do. Uh, to make a record and and fine tune it per se. By the way, I don't say this to disparage any of your previous output. I think you're being hard on yourself. Uh, those of us who follow you know uh, would 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 say you know your records are all really stellar. So I know you can't be objective about it. But so within all that, what do you suppose it is about Island that does leave you feeling particularly? Uh, satisfied with it happy with it maybe more so it sounds like more so than some of your previous releases i had a very different approach with this record actually um and it did not take long um despite the long gap it actually came very quickly both in the writing um in the arrangement it happened fast uh there was only two days in studio to record the drums and piano and you know i did all the guitar stuff in about a week it, it just like came really quickly the difference really was um, in just the way I wrote it, because previous records, I've constantly been wary of the fact that 
Um, the reason why people know my name is because I do a live looping thing with a violin. And I have, over the past 15 years since I started doing that, uh, tried to make sure that I'm making songs that are going to be beautiful to look at when I play them live, as well as uh, compelling on record. Mm. And, and with this album, I threw that schematic out the window and just started writing songs that I wanted to record with no concept of how thrilling they would be to see live. <laughs> <laughs> so there's an, it doesn't sound like it was completely impulsive per se, but there was a, a more, uh, it sounds to me based on what you're saying, and please correct me if I'm wrong, you were relying on instinct and impulses rather than overthinking per se or dwelling upon ideas. You were kind of letting first thoughts on some level have their say. Is that fair to say? Yeah, I mean, the first song that I wrote for the record was Paragon of Order, and I wrote it so long ago, March 2015, if you can believe it. Oh, wow. Yeah, and I was uh, in Sydney, Australia, um, and I was doing a little tour there uh, for this David Lynch show. Um, It's kind of a strange thing put together by David Coulter. It was really, really great to meet the people on it. Kieran J. Callanan was on the tour, and uh, uh, Chiba Mato. But yeah, there was just a piano in my dressing room, and I just wrote what would become Paragon of Order. And uh, it just was so nice to just kind of have written the song at the piano that I just continued to write songs at the piano, write songs at the guitar. Basically, it's so funny because I'm talking about it like it's a revelation, but all I'm describing is how every other person writes an album. (laughs) (laughs) Well, to some extent... um, Sorry, what was the David Lynch show you were working on? Um, It was a a concert that was kind of a selection of different works that have been found in David Lynch movies over the years. And I myself don't have a particular um, specific affection for David Lynch as a filmmaker. I do like his movies. Mulholland Drive is really amazing to me. It's haunting. Very haunting. Yeah. So it's a crazy, crazy good movie. Yeah. But uh, he's not, he doesn't mean to me like say what, uh, you know, what Roy Anderson means to me. Mm He's like a, a director who I adore. But, uh, you know, I, they, they asked me to come down and do it. And um, I really like David Coulter, so I decided I would go do it. And uh, you can actually see on my Instagram, there's a video of me singing Falling, uh, originally by Julie Cruz. And, uh, you know, and I sing it in the same range that she sings it in. So it's really high. Um, and it's really cute. Nice. <laughs> I think it's cute. I think it's cute. But, yeah, that's from like five years ago now. Well, I, I, I brought up. The, the Lynch thing, because I noticed in Paragon of Order some allusions to what I believe are cinematic, um, at least they're, they're, I think they're cinematic allusions. Child of a broken home can love anyone, and the unblinking eye that keeps track of our shit, it will look to the left when kids get lit. That all seems like, my muscles softened since I washed up here. I don't know, there's something about surveillance and camera stuff going on in there that I that I'm picking up on is that is am I on the right track or so to speak nope <laughs> good no this is good no there is a cinematic reference in the song and I will give you 20 bucks next time I see you if and you have one guess to guess what line it is okay all right I will okay all right <laughs> I'll keep I'll keep thinking about it I do want to ask about this child of a broken home can love anyone line um, because I feel like 
in various uh, there's there's a few uh, parts of the record where it seems like you you allude to this being a child of a broken home. Your mother or a mother anyway is invoked frequently. Family stuff being born. What do you suppose if you could step back objectively and look at what I believe was instinctual writing on in a lot of levels? Do you, do you have a sense of where and what you were kind of where you were going and what maybe the record is you know quote unquote about? Uh, certainly. Well, the thing is about these Spectrum records is that the character Lewis is going to have a lot of uh, elements of his life that are autobiographical, just because that's kind of what I know the best is my own life. You know, I don't remember what author said it, but just said that all fiction is autobiography anyway. I think it was Nabokov. I don't remember. Um, it sounds like something Nabokov would say. Yeah, it sounds like it. Let's just give it to Nabokov. <laughs> We'll steal it from Tolstoy, give it to Nabokov. Sure. Um, or we could, That's the way it's done. We could just say Russia, famous Russian proverb, <laughs> uh, unattributed <laughs> Russian proverb. Anyways, um, but uh, yeah, so specifically that line, child of a broken home can love anyone, is like a direct reference to me and my life. Um, I, I have sung about my parents before. I mean, I kind of got a little bit cheekily divulgent on uh, my first album has a good home on the song furniture furniture because mm-hmm. um there are it's exaggerated but i sing my father had a dozen wives and a child by every one it's not inaccurate except it was only five wives but my father's been married five times and has had children through um through many of them and i have a an incredibly large number of siblings. <laughs> oh, I didn't. I, I actually, I feel like I vaguely did know that. But uh, wow, okay. No, no, no. If I'm, I'm not going to tell you the number. But if if I told you the number, you'd be like, what? Like it sounds <laughs> like they had. People always are like, are are your parents Irish Catholic? And I'm like. <laughs> <laughs> no, my father is a a womanizing Protestant. Um, <laughs> well, I, I feel like I feel like I knew this maybe OTR. Maybe we didn't talk about it in an interview, but I feel like I vaguely knew this. But yeah, please. You, and I mean, is your father? You're from Milton, Ontario, right? Originally? Uh, no, I'm. Oh, well, you're from Mississauga. Sorry, that's yeah. right. You're right. I, we talked about this. The Indian yeah. restaurants and right. So, you're, is are your parents still? Uh, I know they're not together anymore, but are they still in that area? Um, my mother moved to Milton. Um, my father moved to Toronto and to, he lived all over the place. Um, okay. When I was, okay. Yeah. So, okay. um, and I was splitting my time between the two parents, but, but they broke up when I was quite young and, um, and they had a, perhaps one of the most acrimonious uh, relationships, um, that I've ever, uh, that I've ever seen <laughs> two parents having. And, um, and it was hard on me as a kid um, because uh, because I loved them both and uh, yeah. and it was difficult to to be in, in an environment where it was so it was just a, it, it was constantly felt just constantly felt this animosity towards the other parent. Um, when sorry, you. when they were together and you were with them, did you have siblings around at that point? Um. Yeah. I mean, I am one of two children from this. Uh, from this union. My that relationship. Brother. Okay. Okay. Yeah. My so older you, brother lives on the west coast. I see. Okay. So you, sort of. I don't know the dynamic there, but you kind of had a someone to, uh, help you <laughs> deal with this on some level. No, not really. Um, no. My older, no. I mean, I I love my older brother, but we just didn't have that kind of relationship. It wasn't. We didn't have any sort of sense of solidarity, really, in this situation. It was, I see. 
Okay. Yeah. It's, and I mean, it's we had we had a great relationship when we were growing up, and we have a great relationship now. But it, yeah, there was it wasn't like that. It did feel a little bit like being adrift. And I I've got really nothing negative to say about the situation. To be honest, it was not easy, but it was fine. You know, both parents treated me well and loved me, and uh, and that was good. Um, but the the thing that I have noticed is that an effect of this has as as well as other things in my life have have uh have uh you know had an effect on my um on my the way that I I I love the way that I work in relationships I was in fact just talking to my mother yesterday and uh telling her about how I thought that um the acrimony um in their relation in their breakup slash divorce uh has instilled in me an incredible deep need to be on good terms with my exes um hmm. and i am yeah. and i am you know i mean you 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 realize reg gentleman reg and i dated for a summer you know and it's like and reg remains my best friend you know it's like we well not best best friend but you know we we chat like once a week and stuff like this we hang out all the time back in november you were still walking your ex's dog is that still happening yeah yeah <laughs> right okay yeah no, we he uh, he sent me a recipe yesterday, um, and then uh, this morning I was telling him how good it was. <laughs> do you know? Yeah. Do you feel like this whole there's a sort of I end up following things on Twitter, and during moments of collective crises, there's always someone who says, "Whatever you do, don't text your ex." And I know personally, I don't. I mean, it's taken me some time to get over, you know past relationships uh and that's just says something about me but i don't well didn't you didn't you hold on vish because didn't you the last time we talked you were telling me about this demon that you dated this absolute terrible person who i'm just kidding i'm trying to i'm trying to (laughs) no no i didn't i didn't say that because there was it took about a decade probably uh but there was a reconciliation and now there's a friendship and no, I, I remember you telling me telling me that you had a good relationship with a big ex. And, yeah, uh, and I, I but that there was a long period of of, of distance. That's right, we did. Have. We talked about that yeah. outside of the transit because you, you you did reveal that. Um, I mean, in your case, that that relationship was and is uh, the ending of it. Rather, is still relatively f- fresh, and that it's what within the last year or so, right? A cu- couple. Yeah, couple it years? was. Yeah, it was eight years ago, or eight years ago. It was eight months ago, you know. And, yeah, yeah, yeah. And we did, so, and we have had some fallings out. We have had to take some space, but um, it's overall it's been a positive. Uh, it's, I mean, it has been a hard breakup, but it we're we're in increasingly in a better space. Like everyone's circumstance in these dynamics is different, but I also feel like it seems weird to never speak to the person who, for a period, probably knew you better than you knew yourself, and better than most people will ever know you. And the way we tend to operate is like, we're done, it's done, it's over. I gather from your own experience, you're seeing that that's neither is considered particularly healthy, meaning to completely sever a relationship. That's what most people tend to think needs to be done. If you tend to stay in touch, people think it's weird, you know, just in terms of optics, people are like, why are you hanging out with your lover, ex-lover's dog? What are you doing? But on some level, you, I think maybe like me, see a bit of health in burying hatchets, not having grudge matches, having some some residual affection still live. Is that fair? 
Yeah, I mean, I'm not in touch with all of my exes, but the ones that I'm not in touch with, it's like we have to get to a point where they're breaking the law before I'm just kind of like, oh, you're actually trying to hurt me. Well, now it is the moment that I'm going to actually yeah. resolve to never never speak to you again. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's like, um, I, I think it's also a queer thing. I think because when I was in my early 20s, uh, one of my best friends was this um, wonderful, wonderful guitarist, uh, songwriter um, named October Brown. Mm-hmm. Um, and she, she was... V- significantly older than me she i would have been 21 and she would have been 45 she's 65 now but she was um hugely responsible for helping me learn fingerstyle guitar and um it was wonderful because every day she would just be on the phone sometimes for many hours with uh, her ex-girlfriend she would just be on the phone just catching up talking it was just it was almost like they just had this constant relationship it was almost like the relationship never ended and uh, Octi be dating new people, you know, but still just have these these relationships. And I've reconnected with her after 20 years of kind of like just being distant friends. And it was wonderful to go over to her house because she was still chatting with these same people. The, the person that she was dating when I was friends with her, they still were chatting. Yeah. The, per- the ex she had before that, she was still chatting. And I was like, I looked at this and I'm like, this is what I want. I want to just these people know me so well and i mean you've met patrick patrick was my manager my uh, my boyfriend for 13 years um well I, I accidentally texted patrick when i thought i was texting you to set this all up oh great <laughs> i'm sure he i'm sure he loved that no he, he patrick knows me so when he re- well he, he probably didn't have my number in his phone so when i said oh sorry it's vish he like you know i think based on his text who who can tell from tone on text but he's like vish you know he was he was he was minorly textually excited that it was me and not some random, you know, person from the five one nine area code that he didn't know. Uh, yeah, if if you had been Stuart Berman, he would have been like, <laughs> <"Ugh."> <laughs> <laughs> that's seemed like an unnecessary pot shot, but I'm going to let it go. I'm going to abide <laughs> by that uh, and let it go. No, there's maybe we're you know what we're getting at a little bit, Owen. I feel like sex complicates things for the other people in your orbit. They all they think about when they see you with an ex is the fact that there was sex involved. But the two people are like, yeah, well, that was just one aspect of our dynamic. There were other emotional connections that maybe no one else would would understand. I mean, would, wouldn't you agree? Like, it's, I think it's that. It's, that must be most of the stigma. Yeah, I mean, it's a huge, huge thing. I I was in a relationship once where um, there was an affair that was going on. Um, and I, I, it had my blessing. I was like comfortable with it, um, until I wasn't comfortable with it. And it's always that way when you're trying to be amenable to your partners having, you know, side pieces or whatever you Mm -hmm. want to call them. Um, and I remember that there was just times when, um, me and my then, uh, partner would try to be being intimate and I would just find at really, really bad times, just flashes of the thought of my my partner and uh and his lover together mm. and it would just it would just it, it started it, it would cripple me it was really really difficult so i understand it's like you can't really control how you feel about um sex you know it's like you can't i it was it's one of my favorite um uh expressions and this doesn't just apply to to intimate relationships but also friendships is that you can't legislate desire you know Hmm. it's like Mm -hmm. 
you you want so many times it's just like you feel lonely and i've done this i've like felt sometimes i've i've just had a friend and we haven't been hanging out so much and i email them and i'm like i wish you'd call me more i wish we'd hang out more i miss you and it's just like you can't actually send that email and expect that it's going to result in anything because somebody has to want to hang out with you you know well you, we're <laughs> we're kind of skirting around ego and the play like just yeah there's self assertion there's standing up for oneself and within all of that, there's ego. So if you feel like you've been wronged uh, or you're not being respected, it's not, I don't even mean ego in a negative way. I think we just need to assert our own agency in these relationships. And if your pride is hurt, that that's a, that's a big one. Like I know that about me. Like the reason there was a, a long gap between uh, communications in one of my relationships was because my pride was hurt. You know, I was... I was prideful mm-hmm. and then I got over it. And I don't, when I, if I look at it objectively, that's growth. So when I, when I want to engage with this person, I feel good because I feel like I've grown. Does that make sense? Am I saying this in a way that makes sense? Like I, it, it, my being able to get over it feels positive as an emotional and personality thing for myself. Does, uh, does that resonate with you? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, also, too, it's just like being reassured is like the best. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's like I, uh, I, I, I reconnected after 15 years of um, just not, having not, not had any contact with her, um, a, a woman that I dated in first year uh, mm-hmm. university. Um, and uh, we just we dated for maybe about three or four months. And it was actually really nice. But we lived in different cities and um, it just you know, just kind of yeah. didn't go anywhere. And um, we didn't have any contact for 15 years. And then one day, uh, just because we were both living in Montreal, um, you know, she just reached out and wanted to hang out. And there was a moment when we were having a cigarette outside the bar where we just kind of looked each other up and down appreciatively. <laughs> like, like we both looked at each other like, mm, you could still get it. And it was... It was the best feeling. It was just kind of like, wow, you know, I put on, you know, it's like she'd put on a little bit of weight. I'd lost some weight, like great me, both of us gray hair and wrinkles. And we just are kind of like, mm, yep, we just, you still got it. And it was such a gratifying little moment. Yeah, <laughs> no, it, it's a lot about, yeah, these relationships are a lot about ourselves uh, and how they make us feel about ourselves and, and what you know, like all like all things, like the music you listen to kind of teaches you something about yourself. The music you like, I guess, can kind of teach you about uh, who you are. I think the relationships you have obviously teach you a lot about who you are. And this was an interesting tangent because I was asking you about some lyrics that I found interesting. And um, Oh, are you going to make your guest, by the way? No, I haven't got. No, I've been so distracted by our conversation. Uh, hang on a second. Let me go back to... You said something in Paragon of Order has to do with a movie. Is that what you yeah, said? Yeah, it, it's an explicit reference to a movie. There is no question what movie it is a reference to. Um, the Mainlander boy pays for the bath. No. Let you spend the night if you crash. Am nope. I in the right verse? Uh, you almost got to it. The line <laughs> is Sister Faith and Sister Chance. It's from the uh, Andre Lachowski movie... Possession, starring um, Sam Neill and more (laughs) Sam Neill. I can't believe I said Sam Neill first because, you know, Sam Neill is so outclassed in this movie by Isabella Johnny. Like, Isabella Johnny just gives the most committed performance of anyone's life in this movie. She is so, 
so inhabiting this this woman going wild and uh and sam neil is just like every time he's on the screen you're just kind of like oh sam neil <laughs> <laughs> let me read the whole verse for people who are this is so this is from the song paragon of order which i believe is the second uh song with lyrics on the record right uh yeah it's yeah. track three track track three in the hollow distance a man tries to be kind the mainlander boy pays for the bath they let you spend the night if you crash and radiator drone sister faith and sister chance children of broken homes we will dance uh there's more but uh that is striking and i didn't why did you want to make reference to this film in this particular lyric I just thought it was a night. I mean, I've always kind of I've loved that movie, and um, I, at a certain point, I think the plot of uh, Island was going to f- f- have some more parallels with Possession than in the end that it did. But uh, I just, I, I just love this image of Isabella Johnny saying, "You know, Sister Faith, Sister Chance." Now you know what this verse is about, right? Like I'm, I'm kind of being pretty clear uh, what is happening. I think. No, you tell me. I don't want to get this wrong. I've already gotten it wrong once. What what would you say it's about, per se? It is about a homosexual union in a public bath. Well, yes. (laughs) I picked up on... Yes, I picked up on that. Yes, that's fair. Okay, good. (laughs) I just... I just... I just never... I never know with you breeders. Like, I... (laughs) No, I knew that the mainlander boy pays for the... I knew what that... The mainlander boy pays for the bath. I knew what that meant. Uh, but I didn't exactly understand the film illusion. Is that a scene from the film, or is that a conflation of your imagery and the film's imagery? No, there's no there's no homosexual unions in okay. Uh, okay. in possession. Oh. No, the unions the unions that happen in possession are are far weirder. Um, there's like an octopus, a giant octopus man. Um, a giant octopus man. Oh yeah, you know you have to see this movie. It's really okay. Really I, crazy. I haven't seen it. I'm not familiar with it. I will try to track it down i appreciate the i like tips i like getting tips for books and films and music when i have guests on the show it's a nice it's a nice frill of having a conversation with someone who knows a lot of stuff well just a tip um possession really is a good uh, date movie um i would really advise you if you have a, a night where the kids are away to take the time to sit and watch it with your wife i think it'll it'll really really uh, do do well for your relationship my kids are eight and five. They're not going anywhere. There's also a pandemic. We're all stuck together. I'll just, when when they sleep, whenever that might be, maybe we'll turn it on. I, I think that's a good, I'll, I'll keep it in mind, and I appreciate that. I want to ask you a little bit about your own existential angst here. Okay. Because there's, on the, in the song Transformer, there's a, a verse here I want to ask you about. When I wish I was never born, my mother tells me I wasn't born so much as excreted. But this emptiness is a gift. I'm free to write the future, an empty man undefeated. That's a beautiful verse, first of all. And I I enjoy, the as dark as it is on some level, my mother tells me I wasn't born so much as excreted. It's a fascinating line. Is this drawn from your perception of reality or something that might have actually been conveyed to you? Um, my mother never said anything like this, and <laughs> it doesn't seem particularly motherly, uh, if I might say. No, my mom. Like I, in fact, I should cl- go on the record in saying that you know my mom and I have a, an excellent relationship, and uh, and uh, and she's become uh, more. She's becoming more and more comfortable over time with me 
singing about her in songs as if she's some kind of she devil. Um, <laughs> but and even then, I'm not actually singing about her. This is Lewis's mother. Um, this well, is, yes, th- that's right. You know, this what is your what is the relationship between Owen Pallet and Lewis again? I I can't recall. Um, it's kind of a little bit ambiguous, um, and it, it it also changes. So in on the Heartland album, Owen is explicitly a songwriter violinist who is the deity of Spectrum, mm. um, and and it has created this world in which Lewis inhabits. And Lewis, uh, who is the creation of Owen, um, is is a devoted acolyte of like and and a proselytizer and uh, goes about um, doing deeds in his name. Um, in Owen's name, that is, and eventually starts to suspect that their relationship is a little more complicated and starts to feel like there's like a kind of a, a, a voyeurism in Owen in Owen's usage of of Lewis and there's um, sexual um, implications and stuff like this. And Lewis um, kind of has a, a bit of a, a a bit of a breakdown and um, he uh, rides his horse Imelda up Mount Alpentine. I, you know, I really like fantasy worlds, and I think it's really important that you give things good names <laughs> if you're going to do a fantasy record. So, he, right. uh, yeah. Okay. So he climbs Mount, Mount Alpentine, and he uh, stabs Owen in the eyes and kicks Owen off the, the cliff and then urinates over the edge on Owen's corpse. And uh, that's essentially how Heartland ends. So then in Ireland, Owen is absent. Owen's not a part of the narrative. Um, to begin with, and it's uh, Lewis now having murdered Owen um, is uh, is now floating across the ocean and washes up on an island. And uh, the the bulk of the uh, the first two thirds of the record are, are concerned with his kind of ruminations in this state of having had a life where that was so closely devoted to um, this this single individual, whether or not it was. Um, devotion or murderousness you know it at least was there was a relationship there and now there is none and um you know the line in paragon of order that kind of encapsulates this is freedom and loneliness are one and the same you know so he engages in a cycle of hedonism he's drinking he's having a lot of sex he's doing drugs and um, getting in fights and um eventually this spiral causes a nautical accident which is uh described in a bloody morning he ends up in jail. He calls out Owen's name. And then an unseen force comes and fucks him into space. I don't know if I'm allowed to say the word fuck on this podcast. but You can say fuck, uh, just don't say space. <laughs> okay. I have some trauma uh, with that. My, for years, I was told that my <laughs> name translated as Vishal is my full name. And I was told it meant great or big. That's what my parents raised me to believe. But I Googled it somewhat recently, and I found out that Google thinks it means spacious, and now I have real space issues. Um, wow. Yeah, I don't... No, you can say whatever you want. I believe, if I'm... Correct me if I'm wrong. The A Bloody Morning, by the way, is a wonderful... Well, it's a... It is a wonderful song, but it's also uh, haunting, and uh, it is one of the uh, most compelling nautical songs I've heard. So, well done there. But in Fire Mare... Is that not the song where Owen is called upon? Owen, are you there and this nightmare I'm in? That's correct. Yeah, no, it's on Firemare where he's in, singing from uh from jail and he's uh from and uh 
his escape essentially comes in the form of him getting fucked into space. Right. Now you say Lewis is an acolyte of Owen. Is Owen a father figure for Lewis? No, he's he's the creator. He's a deity. Creator, deity, father. What's the difference? Um, I don't. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what kind of relationship you have your with your your father. But <laughs> well, I don't. I, just, I don't see my father as a deity. My father. No, just no. A, okay, fine. He's not. Uh, he's but some he, guy with a penis. <laughs> you said. You said. Okay. Well, creator though. Fathers, uh, creators. There's a bit. There's something going on there, isn't there? I don't. I don't. I don't know. I who think, is the, who is your creator if not your parents? Unless you're, you're deeply religious and you think something else created you out of thin air. But I mean, your parents are your your creators, are they not? Yeah, I've done, I don't. I don't think of it as, as this way. Lewis okay. and Lewis and Owen are not a father son. Lewis is a work that is the creation of Owen. This is not a relate. This is not a. I'm not. I'm not really investigating parental, okay. child relationships in this. This. This narrative. This is more about the relationship between an artist and their work. Okay. Yeah. That's yeah. that's the dynamic of these records. That's fair. But yeah. you, as you alluded to earlier, we are in this strange metaphysical landscape where the creation has murdered uh, its creator. And now, by this record, by Island, is seemingly lamenting that decision, that that uh, that act. Um, what do you suppose is going on with Lewis that he is now missing Owen and wondering where Owen is? He's not really missing Owen. Okay. And he's not really lamenting it. He's okay. more just kind of. He's more just kind of like contemplating it you know like there's a verse in perseverance of the saints where he's he's he sings like i left my friends and family pastured and boarded a ship to spread the news which yes. is what happens in the great elsewhere yeah um and when i started to feel like i was living a lie i climbed up the mountain to, to get my dues and what he sings is nobody wanted him dead you know that's mm-hmm. that's what he's singing about okay um now of course like i mean i don't uh, I, you know i i always i talk too much you know i mean you've already heard <laughs> <laughs> this is a talk show. You have to talk a lot or it'd be really awkward. No, when I say I talk too much, I, I tend to divulge a lot of oh. information. And, um, right. You know, um, but there is, uh, there is obviously, you know, another thing that is going on here, which is the fact that there is, there is no difference between Lewis's voice and my own songwriting voice, you know. And uh, Lewis is, it, it, I, I try to kind of, keep things a little loose but lewis and owen are the same person and they are it is the same voice it's the voice that i have assumed at, uh, while i'm making these records you know what i'm fair saying? enough it's yeah yeah and so so it's 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 kind of complicated for me really to describe but um when lewis is killing owen it's like he's it's it's like a, a part of my creative impulse is killed off another part of my creative impulse does that make sense it does make sense, mm-hmm. and I do feel like as much as I know that that Lewis is an is something of an avatar for you, or vice versa, if we really want to get uh, a bit more puzzling about it. But there are lines here that, knowing you the way I do, knowing you, knowing of you, what I know, that seem deeply personal, and and for me, just knowing things I know about you and experiences you've had, they're kind of hard. Uh, for me to, I, I, I feel a pain for you, if that makes sense. In Fire Mare, oh, I never learned how to hate. I never learned how to be hated. Can it be controlled? 
I know you've been struggling with things. I know you've been struggling with how you're perceived a little bit, or at least I think we all are. I mean, in this day and age uh, with social media, just the way it is, can you elaborate upon that, those lines? Because I just want to know where they were coming from um, on some level and, and be as candid or not candid as you wish to be, obviously. But can you? Can you please? I, I just It hurts me to see those lines, read those lines, hear, them, hear you sing them, uh, because I relate to them, I think. And I wonder what your thoughts are on them. Um, well, those, those lines, I mean, you could look at that and apply them to any number of autobiographical uh, moments in my life, for sure. But it's, it's really referring to a kind of an overarching thing um, mm. that, I am, that I'm, I'm interested in, um, which is the relationship between um, the creative impulse and um, mental illness. And um, when you go into therapy and... It, de- it, de- it depends on which kind of therapy that you're doing, but oftentimes one of the things that they really try and teach you is that other people's opinions don't matter. Like it does not matter what other people think about you. And we go through our lives thinking so, so much about like, do my parents love me? Do my friends, are my friends just pretending to like me? Mm-hmm. You know, is my lover going to leave me? Like these are the, the concerns that we make. And, a lot of the therapeutic exercises um, kind of like have this uh, end goal towards uh, absconding from the necessity of other people's opinion of you. And then we get to being a professional musician <laughs> because other people's opinion of you doesn't just matter, but is how you pay your bills. Yeah. And, it's, and it's not even just, is this music good? Because this is the thing about music is that music is abstract. So music is, is the most abstract form of art next to dance, right? So what musicians have to deal with is that people love the work, but they relate to it not just in musical terms, but also to the, the person that is creating them. Um, this is one of the reasons why we have pop stars. You know, It's like why we listen to music that is... Uh, oftentimes we're listening to music that is made by uh, attractive young individuals as opposed to people who are phenomenally talented and have refined their craft. Do you understand what I'm saying? Yeah, I do. Yeah. It's it's like there's all these different layers of likability and how music is, is digested and, and uh, ways that you can approach the making of it. And so essentially what I'm trying to say is being a creative professional and especially a musician it runs counter to what therapy would try to remove from you, which is that other people's opinions don't matter. Let um, me let me just, if I may interject, because I, um, when I went to therapy, what I discovered was that uh, a lot of my issues were about control and what I could and couldn't control. Um, and I became a bit obsessed with those things and, and they were impacting me in a way that I was obsessing over things that, I mean, in my case, it was life and death stuff. And uh, uh, it was it was a, a fear of losing someone to death. And what I was what was conveyed to me is like, you can't control that. It, it happens to everyone. And I wonder if somewhere in what you're saying is, there's a lot of things that you're saying there, but perception is something we can't control. Other people's perceptions, other, other people's thoughts about you. I mean, you can do your best to... Um, cast yourself in a good light or make work that you're proud of uh, and, and, and 
do everything you can. But ultimately, once Owen, you release a record like Island, uh, it's out of your control, isn't it? The way it's perceived, the way you're perceived, there's nothing you can do about it. And as a public figure of any kind, we all need to figure that out, don't we? Like, we all need to figure out that it doesn't really matter. You don't want to be some misanthrope that's not listening to people giving you, um, you know, positive feedback, if you will, but you also have to draw a line. Is that fair to say? I mean, I'm of two minds about it. I think if you are going to be a creative professional or you're going to have any sort of visibility in the world, you are going to have to steal yourself for not being able to control people's opinions of you and their perceptions of you. But at the same time, I think that we are right now nearing, like I I would say that we're nearing a critical mass, but it just feels like asymptotic. Like I feel like we're things are just getting more and more and more intense and worse and worse and worse. And, they're, and we're not having that breaking point. Things are just getting worse. And what I'm talking about is the way that people uh, relate to um, individuals who uh, have some level of visibility. Yeah. Um, and I mean, I'm talking about, you know, uh, what happened with Alison Roman a couple of weeks ago. I don't know if you're aware of this, but she gave an interview where she said a, a very a passing uh, disparaging comment about Chrissy Teigen. Mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, she was roundly just had her star just fell. And, uh, but did, and it's sad. I, I, I also thought I, Chrissy Teigen's star fell somehow. Well, that's the thing is that all these people kind of, even though Tris, Chrissy Teigen was the target, people after piling on Alice in Rome and turned around and were just like, oh, and you know what? The world no longer has a need for Chrissy Teigen. Like, I, I, this is such a, it's such a funny Twitter thing to me that I just, I kind of almost want to just say it about anyone. Like, even the people who are totally not canceled, like, the world, the world just no longer has a need for Joanna Newsom. You know, the world, like, the, the world, the world just no longer has a need for, uh, for, um, Baha'ism, like you know, just ridiculous things. Like I mean, it's, okay, it's okay, just no. seems we have taken some fascinating tangents in discussing Island, but I feel like they were all sparked by our discussion of Island. Uh, on some level, there are things swimming around here that I am still trying to figure out, so to speak, and I've been wrong. Uh, the creator of the album has told me I'm I've been wrong about a couple of things, and I'm going to live with that and ponder those things. I want to say that it's a beautiful expression. Thank you for these these lyrics. We didn't really even talk about on a on a soundscape level and a musical level. You say you're proud of this completely. Do you feel like this is a leap up for you musically in any particular way? Um, I, I think it was a bit of a production uh, jump. I think that uh, like I think I just really did a good job on the production. Um, I think. I'm really happy with the fact that I just really relaxed and let sounds just kind of unspool. I wasn't just trying to fill the record with content. There's a lot of space, which I'm really proud of and happy with. Um, I feel like I've really refined my songwriting language um, in terms of how I, I make my melodies and chords relate to each other. I saw a very gratifying tweet, actually, uh, the day the record came out where somebody said that I was a master of tertiary harmony. And I'm just kind of like, oh, somebody gets it. Like, because it is true. It's like I am spending a lot of time on the harmonic architecture of like what I'm doing here. Hmm. And um, so it is. And I think a, a people who, you know, have a background in music theory might be able to 
hear that and be like, oh, this is what he's doing. But, you know, I hope that it's just kind of conveyed as just this otherworldliness to um, people who don't have that background, you know? Yeah, no, I, I, I'm, I don't have that background per se, but I pick up on something magical going on. And I, so on some level, I, on some level, I do have a background in that. Fine. <laughs> I'm going to just own that right now. What about these four? Is it four? There's four, um, I don't want to call them incidental or interstitial pieces, but what are these four wordless pieces here? They're inter- they're actually um, incidental interstitial pieces. Um. <laughs> <laughs> okay, see, I know what I'm talking about. Great. <laughs> it's, it's interesting because uh, when the record came out, people were thinking of them as uh, markers for movements and... Uh, yeah, that's it's that's wrong. They're not. Um, oh, okay. And when I saw it, uh, when I saw the track listing appear in Ireland, I kind of blinked because I realized, oh, of course, people think that's the case, but it's not. Um, the well, they're num- is- they are numbered. Uh, maybe that's, and they seem to be little divisions. Oh yeah, um, they're they're divisions, but they're only numbered because they, you know, you have to separate them. They're they're all. They're all nameless, and I, I put them all over my records. Just little, yeah. I just I call them arrow songs. It's just like I put little arrow songs all over my records, just because I think it's nice. I think it's fun to kind of have like if you're playing them on CD, it's nice to just have these little things. And yeah, you know, I mean, a lot of, a lot of electronic music musicians do this. They'll just have like a little twenty second track, you know, and it's it's fun. So no, it's, uh, yeah, no, it, it, yeah. it's it's cool. There's a lot of mystery within this record as well. Um, Owen, what are you gonna do? Uh, normally you would put out a record like this. By the way, did this record kind of come out all of a sudden? You know, like I know we talked about how it had been done for two years, but I feel like it just appeared in the midst of this pandemic. And and I presume you're not going to, you can't tour. What are you doing, so to speak, beyond talking to people like me? What are you going to do to, you know, get the word out about this thing? It's I'm, I'm I've made some videos, uh, like music videos. Um, one of them is out already, um, Bloody Morning, and we've got another. A uh, couple that are coming out soon, and um, I'm making little Instagram videos of just live performances and stuff like that. Um, yeah, I've I'm seen not, those are cool. That you're doing those in your living room. Yeah, I'm not really trying to uh, monetize my uh, this aspect of my uh, music career in any way, just because it it seems like a daunting task. Like I'm not I'm not gonna sell tickets to a virtual show or anything which um, it's just more it just seems kind of daunting to me yeah. and added to this is just like i'm 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 seeking other uh, avenues of employment currently um okay chi- chiefly welfare i'm just kidding no i'm <laughs> i'm trying to uh trying to uh, get gain uh you know pick up uh, arrangement work and film scoring work and stuff like that and, and stuff has been coming in i there's a video uh just uh i just did an arrangement for christine and the queens oh um, cool ca- yeah, yeah, and she uh, saying uh, people have been sad on a French TV on a long-running uh, uh, primetime show, and uh, yeah, it was really great. I just I've been getting kind of stuff like that, so I don't really know how the record's going to come out aside from me just kind of like uh, making these videos, keep my Instagram updated. I don't know how, but I just hope that uh, people will gravitate towards it and eventually just kind of realize it for being. Um, you know, a pretty good record, and uh, so far the response has been really good. I've 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 received um, messages from certain um, musicians whose opinions I really respect and who have been really really pleased with it, and uh, that that's been kind of gratifying. Can you name drop three of them? Um. I, well, I got an email this morning from Arca, um, which was really nice. Uh, nice. I'm a huge huge fan of 
her work. Um, so uh, yeah, that's, that's, that's the, 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 the first one that comes to mind. That's one. You have two more. Um, <laughs> I don't know why I'm being such an ass. Hey, John Darnielle's mentioned in the thank yous here. You do some work with the mountain goats. Did John help you with this? Uh, no, uh, John was a little more of uh, inspiration on in conflict than on this one. I see. Okay. Uh, however, there is one decision that was made. Uh, John did have a large part in one major decision on this record, and that is the opening track, hmm. because that was how that was a demo of a piano demo that was originally going to be turned into something uh, more lush, more orchestral. And uh, but I sent the demo version of the record, which was all sequenced, like all the songs were there and the instrumentals were there, um, but only just played on piano and guitar, simplified. Okay. And uh, John, when he put on the record and heard the piano demo, he texted me right away. This is exactly what I need to be hearing right now. Oh, and nice. um, and so the, having him text me that uh, made me think. Okay, I'm going to keep the demo version of. Um, the first interstitial track as being the, the way this record opens. And it, 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 I think it's, uh, you know, I've, I've read some people complain that it take, the album takes a long while, it takes a while to get going. And I'm just like, that's just what you're used to. Like, <laughs> you know, it's yeah. like, this is, a, you know, what a, what a wonderful, valuable experience to have a record that just begins with 13 gorgeous chords spiraling out over three minutes. Like, I mean, you're not going to get another record that begins like that. <laughs> no, it, it, it's a, it's a, it's a towering achievement. I want to congratulate you on, on Island Owen. And I'm, I'm on a personal note, I'm happy to hear you, uh, sounding so strong. And, um, in the midst of all the madness, uh, trying to, uh, do good work. It means a lot, uh, to those of us who, uh, follow you. Thanks. I thought you, thought you were going to say to those of us who aren't doing anything at all. <laughs> <laughs> well, yes, you are killing, curing some boredom by doing things, so that helps as well. Has this record been pressed to uh, vinyl, or is it? Where can people go to learn more about it? It's it's in in progress. There, uh, yeah, record record pressing plants kind of had a moment of being shut down. Some of them are reopening. Some of them have reopened. Okay. Um, so yeah, that's, that's, that's happening. Okay. Where would you say it's out on Domino records in, uh, where is it? Is it Domino worldwide or, uh, no, uh, we were, we released through secret. Oh, right. Of course. In, uh, yeah. yeah. In, in, in Canada out of Montreal, a really great label. Um, so we, yeah, we, it's a co-partnership with, um, secret city and Domino. Okay. So people can go to secret city's site or Domino's site. Do you want people to follow you on anything in particular or keep track of you your comings and goings on the social media? Um, I've, I've set aside my Twitter account because it seems like more of a place for public debate rather than um, selling albums. And I'm more interested in selling albums than public debate. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, that's too, but I, that's, I do, It's too bad. You're good at public debate. Yeah, I just I just felt as if it wasn't it wasn't uh, filling my pockets with much needed money. <laughs> sure. And nor 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 was it nor was it increasing my my uh, kind of like artistic. It wasn't increasing my artistic worth. It was it was yeah. I I mean I it was kind of a bit of an ego trip to just kind of go, go online and you know wow everyone with an erudite opinion erudite yeah, uh, yeah. opinion. Yeah. It's just like you know and a part of me I was like I'm not actually this is not this is not activism was my actual feeling. I was like, this is, this is just narcissism masquerading as activism. And that's kind of, that's kind of how I feel about a lot of Twitter is, is is like, this is narcissist, narcissism and harassment masquerading as activism. So I kind of don't, 
don't post on it okay. anymore. But yeah, if people people want to follow me on Instagram, I'm, I, I usually kind of post videos of uh, like uh, performances of songs and stuff like that and photos of my dog. Um, <laughs> right. Well, that's okay. That's great. And it's he posts clouds. Is that right? Yeah, he posts clouds. Okay, great. Oh, and if there's a song from Island that we can go out on, would you mind picking one for us? Sure, Polar Vortex. Polar Vortex. Why did you pick uh, this particular song? This is, you know, three and a half minutes long. It'll just get in, get out. Nobody will get bored. <laughs> okay. All right, fine. Uh, there, and yeah, we'll let people decipher what it might be. About. Do you want to say anything about it in particular, actually? I mean, I'm... Uh, all I really have to say about it is, is stuff that's on the Apple Music uh, uh, interview that I did for, with the aforementioned Stuart Berman. Uh, curse his name. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, Stuart interviewed me to uh, create some al- uh, album notes for um, for Apple Music, and and yeah, this song is is just um, a kind of investigation of different um, different uh, sources of anxiety that. Uh, that you know, I loosely just kind of refer to as madnesses in this in this song. And, yeah, madness um, is a it, madness is a man among us. A man. I feel like mm-hmm. there's men. There's men representing different feelings and emotions and things on this record. Uh, is that fair to say? Yeah, men are men are interesting. Men are very interesting. <laughs> I would totally. I would agree. I don't know if interesting. Is, I kind of don't like most of them, but. That's a oh I didn't say I didn't say I liked them either I'm they're saying, just uh, they're interesting okay yeah I do I'm I'm interested I'm interested in in men the concept of masculinity and uh, you know I'm I'm less interested these days but uh, <laughs> but you know I am I'm actually uh, I was just talking to Maggie McDonald the other day about how um, um, as these Spectrum albums go on I'm I'm I am planning on shifting the focus away from Lewis and onto other characters so that. You know, we're not just, uh, it's not just such a sausage party all the time. Right. Okay. That's, well, that's good to hear. Although if you're going to have a character on an album, why not name them Vish? Just every once in a while, Vish pops up, does something. Vish is perhaps the least singable name I could imagine. That's, that's the worst thing I've ever heard. I knew you would say that, but I'm sorry. Vishal. Very sad. Vishal is nice. I could, I could say. Yeah, Vishal, you could, Vishal would be good. Okay. I've planted a seed. A, a very egocentric seed, and uh, <laughs> sorry for imposing myself into your world. Uh, this is Polar Vortex by Owen Pallet from his beautiful and excellent new album, Island. Owen, thank you so much for uh, being back on this show and for your time. I appreciate it's it. It's my, my pleasure. You. My pleasure. Very nice. Yeah. But hold on. Before you go, is there a word? Can you think of a rhyme for Vish? Like, how would you rhyme Vish? I can't think of one. Quiche. There you go. Uh, <laughs> I, I introduced a band once at Hillside by doing a freestyle rhyme, and if I remember it correctly, it was very simple. But it was a uh, uh, listen up, everybody. My name is Vish. Rhyme so wild, I need a leash. <gasps> Known to enjoy a slice of quiche. Ah. If you understand, then say capiche. Wow. Okay. So I got, I got. I mean, you've got three different languages there. You know. <laughs> <laughs> it's true it's true you had to, you I, had to, I, four four if you if you count you know this uh your name which apparently means spacious uh spacious <laughs> yeah spacious vish you should write a song called uh, vishal gets fucked into spacious no that doesn't make any sense i i tried to do something there and it didn't it, it's it's dirty it sounded dirty too i didn't like it this is polar vortex <laughs> by owen pallet owen best of luck with everything and, and thanks again for the time thank you vish Thank you. 
Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince, they exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Uh. 
A uh, very special thanks to Owen Pallet for returning to this show. Oh, this one in particular is the 545th episode of Creative Control, which is part of the Entertainment One Podcast Network and is available on all Apple and Google platforms and other things as well. If you can't find an episode that you're looking for, or if you want to learn more about me and sign up for my semi-regularly scheduled newsletter, please visit my website, vishkana.com. You can like Creative Control on Facebook or follow the show on Twitter at Vish Creative or follow me directly at Vish Kana. Also, please visit patreon.com slash creative control to make a flexible monthly donation to keep this podcast going. Uh, all people who donate $6 or more uh, gain themselves exclusive access to uh, audio content that is otherwise not available by the Creative Control podcast stream. Most recently, as I'm speaking to you, a 2011 uh, conversation of sorts between myself, I guess it's conversations, between myself and every member of Fugazi when they appeared on the penultimate episode of my old campus community college radio show, the Mishfish Interracial Morning Show. Uh, we put the show on indefinite hiatus uh, because we were about to have a, a child, my wife and I. And so I thought, who, who better to tell me what an indefinite hiatus might be like, and and also what it might be like to be a, a parent, than each member of Fugazi. So it's kind of a fun episode. Again, you can learn more about it and other uh, episodes uh, in that series of exclusive content at patreon.com slash creative control. Do you like Sufjan Stevens? A pretty long chat from, uh, I don't know what year it was, 2010 maybe? Me and Sufjan Stevens had a long chat. You can hear that. Anyway, patreon.com slash creative control. Thanks again to live at MasseyHall.com, where you can watch beautifully captured concerts at that amazing uh, old building, uh, all by great Canadian artists. Again, live at MasseyHall.com. Thanks to Pete's Trocadero, The Bookshelf, Planet Bean Coffee, and Granddad's Donuts for their in-kind support for this show. Uh, thanks to uh, my friend Jim Guthrie for letting me use some music on the show. You can learn more about Jim at JimGuthrie.org. And finally, thank you very much for listening to this episode featuring myself and Owen and uh, check out other episodes. Subscribe to the podcast if you have a subscribe button or follow it, and uh, you'll be up to date. And tell your friends to do the same, because otherwise, what's the point? you got to talk about this with your friends, don't you? I don't even know if you have to do that. Anyway, thank you. I will talk to you very soon. Bye for now. sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.
When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's stamps.com. Code program.